in just a few minutes remaining before the first early Shabbos of the year and an incredibly busy day. Uh, my wife just gave birth to a healthy baby boy last night. So uh, things are a little crazy, but I, I really want to share something with you this week. And I worked very hard in putting a few ideas together. Let's see if we can uh, share them with you in just a few minutes. And the, the mitzvah I want to talk about this week is the mitzvah of prayer. We find in this week's Torah portion that Yaakov, Jacob, is on his way out of the land of Israel. And the entire Parsha, besides the first few lines, takes place in Haran, which is in Syria. And Yaakov is there for 14 years, working for his two wives, another six years. He's there for a total of 20 years uh, in order to, and two-year journey to get home, 22 years in the land of Syria. And it is there that the 12 tribes are born. And on his way, before he arrives, he decides that he wants to pray at the mountain, which is known as Har HaMariah, which is the place of the future temple, which is the place that his father and his grandfather also prayed at and found to be an incredibly holy place where the world was created, where the sacrifice of Isaac took place, and the center point of the universe, essentially. And it says that Yaakov prayed there, and the Talmud teaches us that what prayer did Yaakov pray? It says that the Torah says he prayed there because the sun had set. He prayed the Mariv prayer, the evening prayer. And it says that the forefathers actually instituted the daily prayer services of praying three times a day, Shachris in the morning, Mincha in the afternoon, Mariv at night. And although... Uh, in reality, however, these three prayers are not biblical. There's no biblical obligation to pray these three daily prayer services that consist of the Shemona Esrei prayer, a prayer of the 18 blessings, really 19 blessings that we say every day, three times a day. Those prayers were instituted by the men of the Great Assembly about 2,000 years ago. They were written by the last living prophets of the Jewish people. They have incredible power, incredible, uh, written with every letter chosen with specific intentions, but they are rabbinic. They are not biblical. We're not biblically obligated to pray those prayers. So what is the biblical obligation of prayer? So it happens to be that if this is a debate amongst two of the great medieval commentators on the Torah and Torah and Talmud. That is notably the Rambam Maimonides and the Ramban Nachmanides. The Rambam Maimonides says that these prayer services are rabbinic. However, there is a biblical obligation to pray. When? Once a day. A person is obligated at some point every day to pray to God. And that prayer essentially follows the formula of saying, of giving praise to God, recognizing the greatness of God, asking for what you need in your life, and then saying thank you. That's essentially the three-step biblical formula of prayer that, the, that Maimonides expresses. Nachmanides, on the other hand, says that prayer on a daily basis is completely rabbinic in origin. The only biblical prayer we find is prayer in the time of tremendous need, what he calls an asara, time of suffering. 
then you have a biblical obligation to pray. So I believe that in this debate between Nachmanides and Maimonides about whether or not prayer is biblical, I feel that we touch upon an incredible tension in the whole idea of organized prayer. Because we see from this Talmudic statement about the forefathers that the forefathers instituted set times for prayers. But in this week's Parsha and in the last week's Parsha, we see a different type of prayer in the Torah, and that is personal prayer. Prayer from the heart, not at a set time. And who instituted those prayers? The foremothers. And the Talmud tells us that all of the foremothers were born barren. They were unable to conceive naturally. Why? The Talmud says, because God desires the prayers of the righteous. The foremothers, and we see in this week's Parsha, Leah cried bitter, bitter tears because she wanted to find the right one to be married to. And she was afraid she was going to be set up with, with Yaakov's older brother, Asaph. So Leah cried bitter tears to the point that the Torah describes her eyes as being weak because of tears. Rachel cried tears throughout the Parsha for children because she did not have children. Her sister had many children. And Rachel, 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 is the mother of the Jewish people and she's buried outside, uh, away from the other forefathers and foremothers. She's separated from, from Yaakov in order that, that the children, the Jewish people, will pass her on their way out of the land of Israel when they go into exile and that so she can pray for the Jewish people. And there's a famous uh, uh, statement of the prophets, Rachel Yevacheh, Albaneha, that Rachel cries for her children, Ve'inenu, for the Jewish people, but they are not there. And so we see a different type of prayer, the mother's prayer, and that's the prayer from the heart. And this, in this we have an incredible tension because prayer in the Torah is described as Avoda Shabalev, the service of the heart. What is prayer if not from the heart, from the depths of the heart? And yet, on the other hand, we have this idea of instituted prayers at set times throughout the day, three times a day. How do we understand the dichotomy? How can you force yourself to pray from the heart three times a day? What if someone said to me this week, one of my students, he said, Rabbi, I think it's much more valuable to have one good prayer from the heart a week than to go to shul three times a day just to check off a box. And there's a lot of merit to that statement. But I told him that I think he's wrong. And this is why I think he's wrong. Because what is the purpose of prayer? What is prayer all about? So we see in this week's Parsha that when Jacob gives birth, when, sorry, when, when, um, one second, let me find the verse. That one of the sons of Jacob is named Naphtali. And Naphtali is an interesting word. Let's see the actual word from the Torah. Rachel's maid Billa became pregnant and gave birth to a second son for Yaakov. Rachel named him. So Rachel said, I have stubbornly offered my torturous prayers, Naphtali, to God. And the word in the actual Torah is um, Naphtalti im achosi. Naphtalti. What does Naphtalti mean? I somethinged with my sister. And, and Rashi explains a few different explanations. One means I attached myself. 
to my sister. It's almost like she's become now connected to her sister because now Rachel had a child um, uh, through her, her maid, who she gave over to Yaakov as a wife. I attached myself to my sister. Another shot, Rashi says, is it comes from the word of akshanas, which means stubbornness. I was stubborn. I continued to pray despite the fact that my prayers were not answered. And finally, Rashi says a third explanation, which means that naftalti comes from the word tefillah, which means prayer. We see from this an unbelievable idea. The three ideas go together. One idea of prayer is the idea of attaching yourself. Prayer is that is that is the most intimate connection we have to God. It's it's an expression of faith that I recognize that everything I need in my life comes from God. But more than that, it's talking directly face to face with the Creator. Now we might not be on the level of prophecy to hear a response back all the time, but there is a response back. It's an intimate connection not only to God but also to the deepest part of ourselves. Because as we get in touch with what we really need and what we really want, it's coming from a place of our soul. That's answer number one, is it comes from a, a word of connection, attachment. But also, prayer has this, this idea that Rashi says of stubbornness, of consistency, of perseverance, that there needs to be an attitude of every day. Why is that? Because I've said this many times, I'll say it one more time, what's a greater expression of love and connection? When you buy your wife flowers because it's her anniversary, or when you buy your, your wife flowers on a Tuesday just because you feel it like it and you want to show her how much you care about her. So most people answer, it's when you feel like it. That's a real expression of love. The answer is that's not an expression of love. When you do something because you feel like it, that's an expression of loving yourself. It means you're inspired and that's why you're doing it. When you buy your wife flowers on her birthday or anniversary, it's an expression of loving her because it's what she wants. And love is all about recognizing the other person's needs above your own. So true love is when you do something that you don't want to do for the other person. But it's not going to work if you give her flowers with a frown. you got to get yourself into it. You have to in get your emotions to line up with what your intellect knows to be right. That's the idea of daily prayer. Prayer is nothing if it doesn't come from the heart. We need to have kavana, which means intention, mindfulness. We need to open up our heart and pay attention not only to the meaning of the words, but more importantly that we're talking to the Creator. But we also have to force ourselves to do that because we say it's a relationship. It's not about me. It's about the connection to the one above. And just like when a person gets married, they have to have, have to have, and all marriage experts will tell you, a half hour date every day. You have to spend a half hour talking about your day and connecting. You might think that's crazy. How could I not spend a half hour talking to my, the love of my life? The answer is, is that when you have kids and you have full-time jobs, it becomes very difficult. And sometimes you don't talk to each other for several days. So you have to have a half hour every day. I try since the beginning of COVID, me and my wife go, my wife and I go for a walk every single day around the block and make sure to connect and talk. That's number one. But then throughout the day, you have to send a text. How are you doing? You have to send a call, I was thinking about you, every single day. So that's the idea of prayer. The morning prayer is a half hour to an hour of deep connection. The afternoon prayer is reconnecting. Shorter, about 10 minutes, and the evening prayer, 10-15 minutes. Again, reconnecting, reconnecting, and, and checking in. 
That's the idea of daily prayers. But when I force myself to have that relationship, even if I don't feel it, but I get myself to feel it, that shows true, true commitment to the other, not just to yourself. So this has been a very uh, intense day for me and for my family. But uh, ultimately we see in this experience of having this child, and hopefully I'll share with you the story later on of this whole process uh, and the process I talked about of my other kids last week. For those of you who didn't listen, please listen to last week's podcast. But the idea of conception is it takes so much prayer coming together of the male, the male, which is that consistency, the intellect, and the female, which is that heart. And the coming together of male and female is the connection that prayer is all about. The female aspect and the male aspect, the mind and the heart. So I want to wish you all a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos and look forward to sharing many simchas with you.